Hey everybody, welcome to Music Therapy. Chicago artist Nathan Graham plays music which bridges the gap between Southside Soul and Nashville. Today we're going to hear why he's more selective about gigs these days, what he likes and dislikes about the Chicago music community, and the steps he's taking towards a full-time music career. All that and much more on today's Music Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker, and I'm a musician based here in Chicago, Illinois. I'm also a licensed clinical professional counselor. Music Therapy is a show where I dive deep into the psyche of musicians. We talk about music, the creative process, music careers, mental health, the music business, touring, recording, balancing life and music, and anything else me and my guests want to talk about. If you want to learn more about music therapy and see upcoming guests and events, please visit musictherapypodcast.com. You can also visit jessicarisker.com to learn more about me and my own music. And if you're a fan of the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review helps us reach more listeners. Today I'm talking with Nathan Graham. Nathan Graham is a musician born and raised in Chicago. His music bridges the gap between Southside Soul and Nashville, creating a new, inclusive vision of singer-songwriter. He built his career over the last 10 years as a guitar for hire, touring internationally with major label and indie acts, and all the while focused on songwriting and honing his skills as a solo performer. We're going to hear a song from Nathan later in the episode, but first here's one of my songs. This is Reassign Me.
Okay, that was Reassign Me by Jessica Risker. And now let's turn to my conversation with Nathan Graham. Your dad's watching. I know, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's, he literally has not missed a show or a live stream since I've been performing. How long have you been performing? Oh, man. Uh, since I was 15. And he's not missed one show? He hasn't missed any, any show that he can come to. He's missed, I mean, of course, he's missed the ones that were like out of state or um, yeah. out of the country, but literally every show, him and my mom have been to every show. <laughs> that's, so, that's so great. Yeah. But thank you for being on the show. On this Thanks. show. Thanks for having me. Um, so are you from Chicagoland? I am, yeah. Yeah. What part? Did you grow up in the city? Did you suburbs? Where did you grow up? Uh, both city and suburbs. Um, I'm currently in the city now. I'm uh, I'm in North Center. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm living now. So I always start the show the same way with, with guests, which is that I like to get a sense and give the listeners a sense of you as a musician, what a picture of your life. Like what is what is a typical week look like for you can you take us through is there a typical week do you do you work what what is what does it look like yeah i mean i it's a i mean a typical week is especially well right now i mean during the pandemic it was just a lot of work and me cooking and watching netflix and all that stuff but um essentially like the 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 day-to-day is i work at a company called reverb.com and it's, it's like um ebay but for like music just for music equipment so i work with them what do you do there uh i am on the resolutions team and uh i do things with uh, diversity and inclusion how long have you been there i've been there for four years now coming up on four years now uh the resolutions team that makes me think that you like mediate yeah, essentially. Yeah. So it's like if there's two, if there's a buyer and a seller that are mad about something, I, I kind of step in and I'm the, the guy that kind of like everybody go back to your corner, <laughs> you know, and, every, yeah. and it's, yeah. It, what were you going to say? And it's what? And it, it's like, everybody go back to your corner. It's fine. Not a big deal. We'll get, we'll get this taken care of for you. You know, don't go at each other's throats sort of thing. You cool the temperature. Exactly. Have you learned much about the human condition by being in this role? Yeah. I mean, it, that's the thing is like when working with customer service, you learn a lot about uh, really it's just people want to be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the that's the baseline. You know, people don't want to feel like they've been dismissed or they're being like kind of given the runaround or um you know, or like, you know, somebody's not like paying attention to their problem because you're not just dealing with that problem when you're dealing with somebody in customer service. You're dealing with their entire day, their entire year. Maybe uh-huh. they're something with a friend or a partner or whatever, and you're kind of taking that on. They're, they're, they're sort of like, I don't want to say taking their day out on you, but that's that's what you're dealing with as well. So a lot of it for me has been learning how to kind of read between the lines and say, okay, I know what the real issue is here. You know, it's like if they get something, you know, say they get a guitar uh, and it's completely damaged, you know, and they were really looking forward to that guitar or they were really looking forward to that item. 
And, you know, they're upset. You know, obviously they're upset because, you know, they get something in the mail that they were really excited for and it's not exactly what they wanted. So, you know, most of it is, okay, I understand that this is a collection piece for you or this is something that you really wanted or something that you felt like, man, this is really going to make my month better or my day better. And now it's just turned into a chore. So it's like starting from there and knowing that that's the issue and then kind of bringing them down from there and like de-escalating the situation. That is very counselor-esque. Yeah. Did you mean to take on that role? Did you, I mean, you have to be patient and, you know, in a, in a role like that to not get caught up in stuff, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, there, there are certain times when I, you know, when of course, you know, somebody will say something kind of, uh, kind of awful (laughs) to you, but you can't really internalize it. it. It's something that you have to say like, okay, I know that they're not yelling at me. They're not saying this awful thing at me. They're saying this awful thing to the situation. Um, and once you kind of step back and take that moment of, all right, I, I understand where you're coming from. Let's reset. Uh, so yeah, you do have to be, there is a, a, a fair amount of patience when it comes to that. So you also work with inclusivity and diversity at work. Mm-hmm. What do you do in that realm? So basically what I do is, is um, you know, there's a lot of disparity with when it comes to women, people of color, LGBTQ community, when it comes to musical instruments, right? Um, especially the way that Reverb kind of started. Reverb started with a lot of vintage guitar guys, and yeah. it's not really a diverse group. You know, it's pretty much, yeah. you know, one type of person. Um, but of course, we know that, you know, myriad people play instruments and make music and all that stuff. So we, you know, we try to find, we really try to find, you know, people that can represent that community, not as, not as like a monolith, but definitely have that representation and say like, Hey, we see that you're out there. We see that there's trans people that make rock music there. We see that there's people of color that make folk music. We see that there's women who, you know, who are producers and rappers and, you know, things like that, but we see, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, we make sure that everything is trying to make sure that everything's diverse. Cause the mission statement is sort of like making the world a more musical place and yeah. the world of course has a lot of different types of people in it, a lot of different types of families, uh, a lot of different types of experiences. So we want to make sure that that's all, uh, represented when we you know when we're on the site do you feel that your personality is a natural fit for i mean you know what i can see how both of these roles have a lot in common in the fact that you're you know the first thing you said is people just want to be heard Mm -hmm. they want to be seen and do you feel like your personality sort of naturally suited to create a space for people to feel that way yeah. Um, you know, I've always kind of been, there, there's certain things that, that I couldn't put, like, even when I was younger, there were certain things that I couldn't put words to that just didn't sit right with me. Um, you know, people not being represented or, or, you know, cause there's a lot of things that I'm interested in that are kind of like a little bit of a boys club, right. Mm-hmm. You know, love music, I love guitars, I love vintage guitars specifically. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I, I used to ride motorcycles and stuff like that. So that was, you know, and all of it has really been kind of like a boys club and, you know, kind of looking around and not really seeing people represented. It was kind of like there was something wrong about it. I didn't know what it was until I got this job and started kind of getting out into the music world and started to kind of understand, okay, this is what I don't like about it, about this situation. This is what kind of rubs you the wrong way. And now I can talk about it. So, so I've always been that, been skewed to that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I did not mean to um, cut All you right. off there. What I wanted to ask is what you could not put in the word, what you cannot put into words back when you were younger. Can, can you articulate that now? What bothers you about it? Yeah. So my thing is, I, I don't like, I don't particularly enjoy when people make, um, when they have this sort of like uh, newbie attitude towards people uh, like freshmen exactly so uh -huh. if, you know if i'm if i'm asking a question like if i go into a chat room or if i go into a guitar shop or a you know or a, a bike shop or whatever and i'm asking a question you know part of it is i, I really do want to know the answer to that question um but another part of it is, is i'm trying to build a community um and that's that's sort of what it is it's like it's almost as if if you weren't born into this or if you don't look like somebody who I already accept in this community, yeah. then you don't matter. And you should go find that information yourself and then come back when you know what you're talking about, you know, and I don't, I don't like that. That kind of dismissiveness, that exclusivity. Yeah. You know, I, I find this very interesting and clearly you've done a lot of thinking about this. I guess I want to ask without getting into details because that's not what this show is about, but do you feel as though this understanding of how you come to appreciate, you know, where people might be coming from or what they're wanting, do you feel like that lens is there if you're looking at our political climate or racial tensions or things like that? Does that affect your perception or your understanding of where maybe some of the things that are really going on right now where people are coming from? For example, yeah. an opposite political party. I don't know if you care about politics or not, but that I seems do. to be a very, like, other group, you know? Right, right, right. No, I, do. Yeah. I mean, really, you can't talk about inclusion and race and all that stuff without talking about politics. You can't. Yeah. Because, you know, as a politician, you are... Essentially, you are in customer service when you're a politician, you know? And you have to understand what people are saying. And what people are, you know, it's, it's their, it's kind of their job to kind of be able to, to uh, read between those lines and see what's going on and, and actually speak to the heart of the issue, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it definitely as I look, cause I, you know, I've, I've been, you know, ever since I was, you know, 18 years old and I could vote, um, yeah. I've definitely been interested in, in politics and interested in different political parties and, you know, what they actually are saying. And what they, you know, what their, uh, what their platforms are. So it's like sometimes I can see, sometimes I can see where people are coming from, and sometimes it just kind of seems like people just want to kind of push their agenda, no matter what it is. Yeah. You know, it's like I just want to keep saying this one thing over and over and over again until it becomes the truth. And it's you know a lot of times it's not based on any sort of truth or understanding or or compassion at all. It's just. I, I know I'm right, and I want to keep saying that I'm right until you just agree with me anyway. Or yeah. I just kind of, you know, kind of uh, like mow over you almost. 
Totally. Yeah. It feels to me like some vaccination resistance might be due to a feeling of then I'm saying I'm wrong. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, it's, it's funny to me that you bring that up because I, there's, there's certain times when, cause I've been vaccinated, um, you know, pre- pretty much everybody that is in my immediate circle has been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I would say, you know, especially being a person of color, there is a certain sort of mistrust of the government that you do have, mm-hmm. uh, which is not unfounded. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it is, um, you know, I, I get that side of it. I understand that, mm-hmm. that real fear. Uh, but also I have that moment of, okay, well, you know, this is also something that affected all of the world and not just a certain group of people. You know, it literally, it, it you know, the, you know, COVID went through every demographic, every social, social economic group, every, you know, it's like, it didn't matter if you were Republican or liberal or green party or whatever. It didn't matter. Yeah. It was yeah. like at a body, it was going to try to get into it, you know? So, yeah. Uh, you know, so that's why I can understand certain things, but there's certain things I can't understand because, you know, you're not saying that you're wrong, I guess. And then, then certain people who said, oh, well, you don't need a vaccine are now vaccinated, <laughs> you know? So that's a little bit of irony there, but. Uh, but that's good. We want people yeah. to grow. We want people to come around. Of course. So what I, it's like really a lot of it, what it is, 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 you know, if you do something or say something wrong or, you know, you have like a wrong, uh, not a wrong opinion, but maybe like a problematic opinion, let's say that. Uh-huh. Okay. And you come, you come to the realization that maybe that your opinion before uh, wasn't the right way to think about things. Uh-huh. That, you know, being able to say, you know what, I was wrong back then. I did have a, have a, a very narrow worldview back then. Um, now I've kind of figured it out and, you know, I kind of, I want to learn now. And I think that, you know, A, you have to be able to say that and B, people have to be able to, to accept that you said that and also, mm-hmm. you know, be okay with your journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say that. It's hard to admit that. Yeah. But it's I mean, it's, it, it's, that's true. But it's also like, you know, when you're, when you're talking about things on the internet, you know, things live on the internet forever. And, yeah. uh, you know, if you say something, you know, like, uh, for instance, I'll, I'll take Kevin Hart. You know, Kevin Hart, he, he said, you know, something kind of problematic about, you know, LGBTQ community, you know. And he was trying to kind of say, hey, you know, I understand this was a product of my environment. That comment was, came out of a product of my environment. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to, like, learn and grow now because I have children. And I am meeting different types of people now. Because when, you, when you're in entertainment, you meet everyone every walk of life you know at mm-hmm. a show, at, you know you can you can go to a show and you'll see 10 different 10 people and they're all different they all have different experiences um and to kind of take that and say well you're not allowed now to have a difference in opinion i think that's problematic as well yeah 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 i would i agree i agree with it there let me ask you if it's okay to pivot a little bit yeah. Let me ask you, um, you know, you said you started playing music or at least you're, when you're talking about your mom and dad coming to shows mm-hmm. when, when you were 15. 
Right. Is that, would you mark that as the beginning of like your musical journey? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't. I would say probably since birth, um, you know, my mom would play for, I mean, I, I can't remember, you know, of course I can't remember that far back, but, um, my mom would play classical music, you know, for me mm-hmm. when, you know, when I was, when I was a baby in the crib and, you know, she would, at, my house was full of music all the time. You know, it was always, you know, on, uh, my, my mother wakes up and has the radio on and listens to literally every different type of music. Like she yeah. knows about artists my my dad, my mom will have a conversation and my dad will go, how do you know about that person? She goes like, yeah, well, I'm like, I checked it out. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, it'll be somebody new that, you know, he, he won't know, but she'll know. Him. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I think it started there. I, I've always, I grew up with music in the house. I've always been listening to it. My parents both love it. My, you know, my family on both of my, both sides of my, of my, uh, family really love music so i just it was always a thing i've always heard the sound of a guitar or a bass drum or whatever so mm-hmm. i think it started there and then when i picked up a guitar i think i think it was around 12 or 13 i think that's when my mom bought me my first guitar um you know then i could kind of like mimic what i was hearing you uh-huh. know a little bit not not of course not great yet but i was kind of like all right i can kind of hear where that's coming from and and then what I started type, at that age. What types of things were you trying to mimic? Oh man, I was listening to, I, I, I turned into my mom. Like I was a sponge. I was soaking up everything. So I was listening to the stuff that I was playing in schools was always like hip hop, Jay-Z, Wale, Kanye West, people like that. And then mm-hmm. my mom listened to a lot of blues, R and B, jazz, rock and roll, stuff like that. And my, my dad was a huge fan of like folk music. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, anything that had this, like, really fleshed out, lush story, my dad loved it, you know. Uh-huh. Um, I think one of his favorite songs is uh, Simon and Garfunkel, the, the the Fighter. I think that was, that was one of, that's one of his favorite songs. So anything that had that, and I was trying to mimic all of it. I was trying to, like, I was trying to do stuff that I heard on the radio. I was trying to do stuff, like, I was in the Linkin Park, you know, at the time, and I was trying to do that. And, um, you know, listen by ear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Listening Uh to Stevie and Jimi Hendrix and trying to pick that up, Uh you know, listen to literally every blues artist that I could get my hands on, you know, Albert King, Freddie King, um, you know, Jimi Hendrix, you know, um, you know, Jimmy Reed and pretty much anything that I could, I could get my hands on. So, um, I was trying to, I was trying to be that. <laughs> I was trying to do all of it mm-hmm. instead of just like narrowing it down. Now I have to narrow it down, but you know. How do you describe? How do you describe your sound? Um. Hmm. You know, I always have to answer this question, and, it's, and it is really hard. <laughs> you know, because it is very guitar driven. Uh-huh. But I, I'm not a guitar guy. You know what I mean? So I'm not. I'm not like. What do you a, mean? Well, you know how sometimes when you hear like blues rock music and it's like it's not really a, a lot of uh, attention paid to the lyrics. It's just more yeah. like lyrics are just, you know, time between guitar solos. Yeah. I wanted both. Um, one of my favorite singer songwriters, his name is Warren Haynes. And he's a great guitar player, great singer and an amazing songwriter. And I wanted to be that. So it was, I, I guess it's like bluesy. 
but there's like some Americana influence in there. There's there's a lot of like R and B, like old soul and R and B, like anything from Stax is in there. A lot of stuff from the Sound of Philadelphia is in there. You know, so it's it's eclectic. It's a it's it's what I would call true Americana because it kind of runs the gamut of all American music. Yeah, kind of a fusion of a lot of different things. And I'm and I'm sure it's your own sound too. But those are kind of the yeah. influences. Sounds like yeah. Right. You know, it seems like you're pretty active with performing. How has how has this past year? How did you experience the you know the lockdown of the past year? And how did that affect your music? Yeah. You know, the, the lockdown, you know, a lot of times people were saying, I had this, this odd feeling about it because a lot of people were saying, man, I just want to get back on stage. I just want to play. I just want to do this. But I had done that for so long and I had played a lot of shows where it was like, you know, two, three hour, four hour shows, you know, it's like grudge matches almost. And I kind of, I liked having the, the break a little bit, Yeah, you know, and you know, being able to, to look at past performances and go, okay, I can see where I was just kind of phoning it in, you know, cause I, I did watch a little, a few of my past performances uh, during the pandemic. And I was like, man, like, you know, I really looked like I wasn't really having a lot of fun. And it was, it was because I was doing so much, you know, and I okay. was, I, I wasn't taking care of myself in a way that says, is this, is does this show is this show worth the time that it is you know and i and i know a lot of that's that's a very like controversial sort of statement because a lot of people just think like oh anytime i get to perform it's great and it's like no not not always because sometimes it's you do have to feel it you do have to to want to do this and want to get out there and 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 you know play your songs because you know when you're when you're playing your original music it is very hard to kind of like look over and see somebody looking at their phone or look over and see somebody kind of like not really paying attention to what you're doing. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm sitting in here. It's almost like I'm standing in front of you naked and you're just bored, you know? Yeah. So it's, so it did, <laughs> it, seriously, uh, uh, you know, it's like, it did kind of make me reset and say, all right, when I do go out there and perform, I want to be giving my best all the time. So when it does come to that point, I can I can go back there, do it really well. So um, what elements need to be present for an opportunity for a gig for you to feel like this is worth my time? Um, I mean, really, right now it's one of the things that I learned. One of the things I learned over the pandemic was was this is like how many people actually really love going to live shows and how many people actually really like just hearing new music. Uh, one of my big things is I've been doing like, you know, come after I was vaccinated and all that and like coming out of the, like the last, I say like three or four months. Um, I have done some sort of like private event shows and not like private events, like, you know, like somebody's ball or, or a gala or whatever. It was more you know, um, we, for instance, we played a show, me and my band played a show at uh, Talia Hall. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. Um, but we played a show at Talia Hall and uh, it was 20 people and they were, they picked the, they picked us to play. And it was just like, they wanted to hear what we had to say. And I guess that's sort of like my, my meter now. 
You know, it's like not just going somewhere where live music is happening, but just going somewhere where you're wanted. You know, when somebody actually reaches out and say like, hey, I like I like your music. Let's get you on a showcase. You know, I like your music. Let's get you on this stage. You know, because then they're going to try and the promoter, the talent buyer, they're going to try to work to find the audience that will like what you do. So that is sort of like my barometer now. Do you feel like you have that abundance of choice that you can kind of filter out the ones that don't feel that way as far as opportunities to perform? I do now. Um, I, I, you know, of course, when you're first starting out, you don't. Um, mm -hmm. You kind of get out there and, and kind of, you know, kind of slug it out a little bit. Uh -huh. But once you do have that, you can kind of sit and go, okay, this show is, this show is going to be great. You know, it's a great opportunity in a sense of like, there's more, there, there's a, an opportunity to, to grow our fan base, you uh -huh. know, like opening up for a band and, you know, their music, you know, our music are, are kind of similar. Our music styles are kind of similar. I know that, okay, they're pro I'm probably going to leave here with another, you know, 40 fans that I didn't have. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. yeah. Reach 40 people that I didn't reach yesterday. So. Do you, have you ever been surprised by a gig? You know, one where you thought was going to be great, but wasn't or the reverse. Um, it, it happily enough, it's always been the, the reverse. Um, you know, sometimes I would, I would show up to a show and I'd be like, man, this is, <laughs> this is bad, you know, or, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if they're really going to like what I'm doing or, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, actually it was, uh, one very recently I played, uh, man, I played, uh, the Belmont Sheffield music fest uh -huh. and we did. So the first time we played there, we played on a stage and we were the first original music act that ever played that stage that side. Cause everybody else was a cover band. Uh -huh. Um, so, and, <laughs> The, the guy who booked us came up to me like maybe 10 or 15 minutes before the show started. And he goes, Hey, you're the first band to ever play original music on this stage. Have a good day. And he like walked away and I was like, great, cool. Like now I have to feel this way. Um, How did you feel when he said that? Oh man. Like, ner like my nerves were shot. Fear <laughs> shot through me like a bullet. Like it was just, yeah. Oh no! It's like they're they're wanting they're wanting cover songs. They're wanting top forty songs. Like I'm going to play these songs that they don't know, and they're not you know they have no idea what these songs are. They can't sing along. They don't know you know they don't know anything. So when we got up there and we played, and the first song happens, and then the crowd erupts, and it was you know it was amazing. And I was thinking like, wow, I was really wrong about this show. Yeah. And then when I got off stage, they were just like, man, it's like you know we we haven't heard original music in a while. You know, it's like. So it was really great to kind of have it on the inverse, you know? Yeah, totally. Do you, so a little bit of a picture of your, you know, musical career pursuit. I mean, I'm assuming that this is something that you're pursuing, looks like you're pursuing music in a pretty serious, ambitious, driven way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're, you're also working, do you work part-time or full-time at, at Reverb.com? Uh, full-time or reverb yeah so that's that's pretty busy full-time yeah. so how i guess i want to ask you know what what is that feeling like to you you know what would you like your career to look like what do you have a something you're working towards or hoping for yeah i have a, i have an end game so my end goal really 
is to so have you ever heard of butch walker at all i don't know that i have okay so butch walker is 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 a really great musician songwriter uh guitar player and he is behind some of the most famous songs you know uh producer or songwriting you know songs by pink or songs by you know fallout boy or you know whoever uh-huh. uh, but he also tours and he has an incredible fan base and you know he he can do he has the the flexibility to kind of do what he wants like whether he wants to just like sit in a studio and write songs for a year or if he's mm-hmm. like i want to go on tour and i want to do this and i want to go you know i want to get back out there that's sort of like my end goal um to not because i you know growing up with a lot of blues musicians a lot of them had to play to keep food on the table uh-huh. they had to keep going um but you know it's like once you kind of make a name for yourself when you're as a songwriter or a producer you can kind of have those years where you're just like ah, i don't really feel like going back out there right now i'm just mm-hmm. gonna video and produce and write and help pay, help people find their sound and then when i feel like i'm ready to get back out that's when i can get back out there that's my that's really my goal is to have music as a career you know and have it you know have a lot i mean you know and, and to be just quite honest, I have a lot of different income streams when it comes to that, whether it be songwriting or, you know, or, um, you know, you know, kind of doing like A&R sort of sort of work, things like that. Helping, you know, it's like, that's really what I want to do is like help other bands find their sound as my end goal. As a producer. Yeah. In that sense. So what, what of those activities, that sort of patchwork, are you you perform now you write now what what are the other elements that are you you're actively doing or have been doing that you were referring to for that patchwork yeah so i mean it, you know anytime like i you know i have a, a really good tight group of friends that kind of trust what i what i do and will ask me yeah. uh you know ask me my opinion on certain sounds or have me you know play guitar on you know on albums or things like that or, or lend vocals to albums and stuff like that um, that's any time that I have an opportunity to do that, I take it. Uh-huh. One other thing that I'm doing, I'm actually in the in the middle of doing it right now. Uh, I, I'm with a, a site called Downright, and what they do is they have you they have people commission songs from artists that they want. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm writing a song right now for a 30 year anniversary, and that's a challenging thing because I'm not writing a song about me. Yeah. I'm just, I have a prompt that I get and I have to write a song based on the prompt that I get. Yeah. So that's really flexing that muscle of, okay, it's like if someone comes in, if a songwriter comes in and they have like half a song or maybe like a quarter of a song or something like that. And they're like, well, this is the kind of sentiment that I had. Like, this is the feeling that I was going through. I, you know, I was thinking about, you know, whatever situation. Yeah. And it may not have happened to me, um, but I can go, okay, I can, let me put myself in that situation. Let me put myself in in those shoes and help write a song or help finish a song with it. So it's Uh helpful. How long does it take you to write a song like that for this particular role for someone else? Uh, so this is this is my first one that I've done, um, and this oh. one took about this one took me about a week uh-huh. uh, to like write and and finish. Um, 
but it's like the prompt was was you know very descriptive so i could kind of like get a, a sense of these who these two people were and how they how much they cared about each other so i can you know now i can just convey that with a song um have they, have they heard it yet they have not heard it yet <laughs> how do you feel about them I, i'm real good about it actually i'm um right before we were we got on here i was just recording the the guitar the rhythm guitar track for it um but yeah, I, I'm very happy about how it came out. So you also do recording. Mm-hmm. What do you work in? So right now I'm just working in just GarageBand. It's very simple mm-hmm. interface. Um, just a simple interface and you know, and a laptop. Do you feel for the things that you're talking about, how you'd like to develop those and grow? Do you feel like Chicago is a place where that's possible, or do you feel like another city might be more conducive to putting all that together? I think Chicago is a great city for it. I, I, I think that, you know, of course, there's, you know, there's cities like, you know, of course, like Nashville and Austin, Texas, you know, it's like they're, they're you know, there's, of course, a lot of musicians there, but I also feel like there's a lot of creativity that, hap- that happens right here. Yeah, and- I agree it, it's it kind of does like kind of make me a little upset when people feel like they have to go somewhere else to to tap into that creativity because mm-hmm. if you're not building a community here you know it's like you're not really going to build that great of a community outside of Chicago either you know so right now it's like I'm building a community within the the sort of like the honky tonk country Americana community and I have like a lot of people that are really great musicians yeah. that are you know, super creative and, you know, Megan the Wheelers and, you know, uh, Wild Earp and, you know, Sparkle Carcass and, um, you know, uh, you know, Riley Downs and, you know, Elizabeth Moen and people like that. They're all, they're all doing really cool stuff. You know, Christina Catoni, um, they're all doing really great, making really great music and, and great art and they're ready to collaborate. You know, they're not just, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, as, as a musician myself, I definitely love the community that I feel in Chicago around music and how much people are supportive of each other. So, but here's a question. Do you, you know, you're talking about the creative community you can build here, but what about industry? Do you feel like there's enough industry to support some of the things that you're wanting to do? You know, I will say that that is, that has definitely dwindled. Um, you know, I, I think that there are quite a few industry people here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, larger record labels or, you know, song shops and things like that, there's not really a lot of that happening, um, which makes me a little frustrated because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of musicians who, you know, classic musicians who, who came here to do that, do just that. Yeah. You know, the, the fact that, you know, Nashville is still the home of country music, right? Mm-hmm. It's been like that because they made it that way. They, they made it a point to keep that sort of, uh, that lineage there. Mm-hmm. But Chicago was also the home of the blues and the fact, or, or at least electric blues. But the thing about it is, you know, you have you're not having the people keep the lineage here. There's a lot of musicians that come from Chicago 
that I feel like could bring a spotlight back to Chicago, but they're not doing it. I don't understand why they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first Rolling Stones album was recorded in Chicago. You know, at you know at um, well, what it's called Blues Heaven now, but it used to be the uh, the um, what's it called Chess Records Building. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity for that here, and I think I think we're we're dying for it. You know, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of places where you can find. You know, we we shouldn't have to. We're a major city in the U.S. We should not have to go to New York or L.A. or you know Nashville because there's a lot of musicians that come right from here. You know, Jeff Tweedy, Kanye West, Common. Um, you know, uh, Chance the Rapper, you know, Vic Menza. There's a bunch of Chicago, famous Chicago musicians that come right from here that could build a pretty cool community and have a lot of a lot of industry people here. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether they're not doing it. Yeah, it does feel that Chicago sometimes is a launching pad yeah. to, you know, even in you know comedy or other kinds of things too. That yeah, second city. Yeah. You know, I I was actually just talking to a friend of mine earlier um, and we were talking about how Second City didn't survive the pandemic, you know, and that was upsetting to me because it was like literally every comedian that has been on SNL for the last 40 years <laughs> has come out of Second City, you know, and they got bought. They're going to they're gonna they, reopen. They have new owners. Yeah. Oh, sweet. OK, cool. If that's, they have some private equity owners now. Okay, good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. Don't, I don't go away, you know? Oh, yeah. No. Um, totally. I mean, that was really tough to think about, and it feels more reassuring now, but especially at the beginning of the pandemic, to think about, are these live venues, you know, these spaces, empty bottle or whatever, mm-hmm. are they going to make it? They're so important. Yeah. But uh, Even through the pandemic, there wasn't a lot of venues in Nashville that went under, you know, it's like the basement, the basement East, the, you know, 12th and Porter and, you know, the Ryman and all these places, you know, these giant places that, you know, are, are milestones for musicians, you know, they didn't go under, you know, but I think it's because of the fact that they do have such a huge industry community there that made sure that they didn't go under. Yeah. 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 So going back to, let's see, I want to, um, talk a little bit more about music career stuff. That's something that I'm always really interested in, in learning about. And I think listeners, you know, are often musicians who want to hear about other people's paths. And then I also just want to hear about your music and what you have going on before we cut out today. Yeah. Um, but how would you, you know, you're working full time, you're doing a lot with music. That's pretty busy. How would you know when it's time to reconsider the pie chart of, of what you're doing and what this looks like? Where's a, where's a crossover point? Um, I think it's when, I mean, it, it, honestly, it has to do with scheduling and, and finances. Yeah. So once you get to the point where you're taking more days off of work than you are at work, uh-huh. uh, and also when you get to the point where you, you're kind of looking up and you're like, okay, I'm paying most of my bills with money from music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, once you hit to that, because right now it's about, you know, I'd say like 90, 10, you know, my job being the, the, the 90 and my 
Music Career being the 10. Yeah. Once you get to that moment where it's like 70, 30 reversed, then it's like, okay, maybe I can, okay. you know, maybe I need to like pull back on the nine to five, start pushing more into that. What is your relationship with social media? Love, hate. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think that's with every musician because, it, you know, it's, it, it's, there are certain musicians that make it work for them really, really well. Um, and I think that that has to do with, you know, definitely certain genres definitely lend themselves better to social media than others. For example? For example, I think that hip hop and pop music are, and pop country definitely lend themselves more to social media like TikTok and Instagram and, and all uh-huh. that. Mm-hmm. You know, more than like Americana or soul music or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it can be done. Uh, but I think it's a little a little easier when you have the giant machine of a of a huge record label as opposed to like maybe a maybe a, a larger indie label behind you. Yeah. Um, so I but my personal relationship with with social media it's is it is hard um, because you're opening yourself up to you're opening yourself up to a lot of criticism to people who may not know. And you on know, your music or just on your opinions or what, or what would you say? No, on your music. Yeah. You know, because you know, there, there could be somebody that says, you know, it's like, and, and I, you know, I don't really know if people know the, the, the power that they wield when they go to comment on a musician's or a, an, an artist's page. Right. You know, it's like, you know, if I'm, if I'm really having a rough day, like say I, you know, I'm in the studio for 12 hours and I'm like working on this one song and I just can't get it. Yeah. And I open up Instagram and I posted a song from like maybe a year ago. And somebody says like, man, this song sucks. <laughs> Does people do that? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it happens. It happens all the time. I mean, people really can be mean, you know, when it comes to social media because, you know, they're they're not seen, you know, especially if right. they're not all the time. They're not seen. They're They're just kind of behind their keyboard and. You know, they can say whatever they want and be like, ha, I just did that. I just did this funny thing. You know, I said right. this funny thing on the person's page, but you don't know that, you know, what that musician or what that artist was going through earlier that day. And that just puts them in a spiral. I mean, either way, that's just a crappy thing to say to somebody. Yeah, Whether people, you're having a bad day or not, but yeah, it's going to be worse on a bad day for sure. Yeah. Do you respond? No, not anymore. I used to. I, I, I used to, you know, sometimes you know, like play into the, to the hands of the, of the, um, of the troll of the troll. <laughs> yeah. But now I don't. And, you know, it's like, I have, you know, it's like whenever somebody does that, um, this is, this is rapper named Cameron. And he talked about how he blocks, he has like something like 2000 some odd people blocked on social media. Uh-huh. And you know, they were like, well, why do you do that? And he was on The Breakfast Club. And they were just like, well, why do you do that? And he was just like, well, he's like, all right, think about your social media and your space on the internet as like your house. If you invite somebody into your house and they say, I don't like your curtains, I don't like your couch, I don't right. like, are you going to invite that person back in? Probably not. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, if you're, if you don't like what you're hearing, why are you here? And I have the power, you have, as you have the power to say what you want on social media, I also have the power to not listen to it or not see it. So, yes, totally, yeah. totally. 
this is actually making me think about what we were talking about at the beginning, which is, you know, kind of being a mediator and situations where people are riled up and riled up online. And mm-hmm. uh, I imagine it's easier to do it. Not that you're getting into active conflict, it sounds like, but I imagine it's easier to keep your cool when you're mediating and you're not a direct recipient of someone being of course. a jerk. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> do, you, do you find that, that skill, though? I mean, do you have to actively tap into that skill when you see a comment like that? It does help, yeah. It, it really does. Because, you know, because when I see a comment like that, um, my first reaction of course sometimes is a visceral one i'm just like oh, i was like what do they know and then it's like a whole thing yeah. but then i start thinking about you know what maybe that person's lonely and they just want to argue with somebody on the internet so not feel as lonely mm-hmm. maybe you know they're they want to scream at somebody in their own life and they can't do it mm-hmm. and so they just found some random person that they can just like unload on mm-hmm. So I have to think about it as like that, you know, as not that they, they vehemently hate you yeah. or the fact that there's something happening in their own life that they feel insecure about, or they feel upset about, or, or they can't express and they need to get it out. And they just found, and you just happen to be there. You know, right. you're, yeah. I mean, that seems like the essence of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, being able to see past something like that and, Give someone room and not take it personally. Exactly. When you can. <laughs> it's not always easy. Yeah. Do you smoke cigars while you cook dinner? I do not. I saw, thought I saw a cigar in your story. You did, yeah. Uh, that was so that was that was after I had that okay, okay, well that's, that looked like a nice meal. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that's cooking is a huge thing. That that's something that really helps me out too. It looks like it. Um, yeah, you had some pretty good pictures on there. Well, let me, before we end in a few minutes here, you know, I'd love to know just more about, you know, talked about the sound of your music, but um, what are you, you know, what are you working on musically these days? So I got a, I, uh, we're working on a couple singles. Um, again, working on a song for Downright uh, uh-huh. for that, that I mentioned earlier. Um, working and on when that. When you said we, who are you referring to? That we're so, me, me and the, my band members. Um, me and Bammer, uh, Ian, uh, Ian Tassan, Cody Messick, and John uh, McNeil. We're all, we, you know, like I kind of, you know, I have like an idea for a song and then I will send it to them and they, you know, they, they have their like, oh, why don't, you know, why don't we try this or why don't we do this or, you know, however. Uh, so we're working on a couple singles. I'm going to record those soon. Um, that's one, that's another thing that I've kind of started embracing is not, always just waiting until I have a bank of songs to go record. Uh-huh. You know, I might, you know, cause a lot of times I'll record a song and then six months later, it's like, Oh man, I really wish I could add that part. But now it's like part of an album and it's like, I can't take it down and then like re upload or whatever. So it's, you know, I, I, you know, I'll record it, listen back to it and go like, okay. And then we play it out. We play it out of the show. And it's just like, man, that was really cool. We did last night. We should add that on the recording. And then we can go back and do that. Were you recorded at home or are you taken to a studio? We have, uh, so Ian, my uh, drummer, he's a drummer, he has a, a studio that we rent. Um, and we just basically have the mics on all the time. And, okay. Well, yeah, whatever we come up with. Okay, gotcha. So you're, it's kind of a feedback loop. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So 
you bring ideas and then they give feedback and it sounds like you guys kind of jam things out and see where it goes and develop from there. Yeah. Well, you yeah. got you have a website. Can you share your website with uh, the listeners so they can go? Because yeah. you're always updating that. So. Yeah, I am. Uh, NathanGrahamMusic.com. Okay. Yeah. How can people support you and your music? Uh, go to Spotify and listen to Fake Friends a bunch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Fake Friends is on Spotify right now. Um, you know, always Instagram, you know, likes, engagements, things like that. That, that really helps as well. Uh, the, everything is Nathan Graham music across the board. So Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, uh, yeah, Bandcamp, uh, App Music. I was going to ask, are you on Bandcamp? Can people go download stuff yeah. and pay fake, you money? Yeah, Fake Friends is on Bandcamp. I believe the single is like, uh, it's like $3 right now. Okay, great. Anything that I'm missing as far as asking, you know, kind of asking about your music or things that you have going on right now or anything you wanted to mention? Um, I, th- I think we got it. Uh, trying to think about what else I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, or, or you know what? Uh, another thing is downright.com. That's another way you can support me. Um, you know, if you want a custom song, uh, there's a website called downright.com. They're doing custom music right now and it, they can do it for, you know, pretty much any sort of occasion. It's, you know, doing stuff for podcasts or uh, film scores, anniversaries, birthdays, uh, whatever, you know, whatever sort of special occasion that you have, you can go to downright.com. And that that's really cool because the lion's share of the proceeds go to the artists. They're not like taking a huge chunk of it. Um, okay. They you know, get to keep your masters and you get to keep your uh, your your publishing and all that stuff with it. So that's really great. Um, but yeah, it's, it really helps out and it helps us flex, flex that muscle of writing a song. You know, it's yeah. like writing a song that's not necessarily a, directly about us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Thank you so much for cool. being on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking to you too. All right. Let's listen to some of Nathan's music. This is Fake Friends by Nathan Graham.
Okay, that was Fake Friends by Nathan Graham. I want to thank Nathan for his time and his thoughts today, and thank you for tuning in and listening to the show. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts so we can reach more listeners. Visit musictherapypodcast.com for more episodes, show notes, transcripts, and events. Music Therapy is hosted by Jessica Risker, produced by Sullivan Davis, and engineered by Joshua Wentz in Chicago. Hope you guys are doing well, and see you next week. Thank you.